and welcome to the Austin Forum Upload, where we explore pervasive and emerging technologies and their influence and impact on society. In this series, we upload direct to you information, opinions, and insights from thought leaders, experts, and creatives from Austin and beyond. They'll share their perspectives through conversations, interviews, debates, discussion, and more. I'm Jay. I'm John. And I'm Barbary. And we co-produce the Upload for the Austin Forum on Technology and Society. Welcome to the Austin Forum podcast. I'm Barbary Brunner, and I'm here with my co-host, Jay Boisseau. Great to be here today. And joining us today is Brian Minnell. Brian is the CEO and founder of Veramos. Welcome, Brian. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me on. We are super excited to talk to you today about digital health and wellness. So um, why don't you tell us a little bit about the general topic, and then we'll, we'll jump into some specifics. Well, I think general digital health refers to uh, just the modern nature of the tools that we have at our disposal and this explosion of the consumerization of healthcare, all the smart watches and smart scales and smart water bottles. You put smart in front of anything uh, and it generates data, right? Um, and so what we're particularly interested in is the fact that uh, we have so much of this data and so many devices and, you know, Fitbits and all these great things, yet people just aren't any healthier. So I'm kind of wondering why that is. Well, so how is having more personal health data informed consumers in the marketplace going to impact our quality of health, our quality of life? I think it remains to be seen. I think the first step was consumers got enabled with information, courtesy of websites like WebMD. So they went to their primary doctor more informed, maybe knowing what to ask. Or maybe knowing too much. Right. You know, (laughs) it always leads to cancer, right, when you are researching on the web. Um, but that was the first phase, I think, where people at least knew what to ask and then could go to their doctor informed. Um, people that I talk to who've been through health issues all say the same thing, which is be your own health advocate, right? So step one, go informed and know what to ask. And I think data is step two, right? So now we can not only go in and know what questions to ask, we could look at information and data that we have and maybe collaborate with our healthcare professionals and say, hey, Analyze this with me. What's going on? What steps should I take? What lab tests should we order? Um, what sorts of therapies should I contemplate, whether it's uh, pharmaceutical or not, right? So I think um, what we're looking at is going to be that step two that's just not widely in use yet. Got it. So how is this, in your opinion, going to transform the business of healthcare? Because I've found that some doctors are really amenable to having an informed patient and other doctors are dismissive of an informed patient. Yeah, I think that people will have to decide for themselves if it's the doctor they want to stick with, right? So, you know, if you, you know, want a doctor who's going to be a partner in your own health and you want to bring your data to that doctor and spend time figuring it out and the doctor is just not interested in that at all, then, you know, it's time to find the next doctor, right? So, um I think that'll help be uh, one way to filter those things out. And then um, what I found is that uh, in going to different conferences and pitch events and meeting some MDs who are freshly minted coming out of medical school, um, they grew up taking in tons of data and looking at spreadsheets and uh, graphs and charts and these sorts of things. Um, And they're pretty comfortable with those sorts of things. Uh, And some of the older folks in the profession who are about retirement age, um, just don't have as much of an interest in those sorts of things. So I think it'll be up to consumers to find the right professional that uh, is in line with their own 
interests. So are you finding that some doctors are willing to to look at that data that people bring them from their home scales and such? And I, and I asked this actually for a personal reason. My current doctor does ask me questions like that. Like, have you noticed any weight gain or loss or anything? And he asked me these questions that I have a feeling that if I plotted out, I do have a smart scale, by the way, if I plotted out the thing, he'd say, oh, yeah, well, that tracks with what you just said about this. So I think he would look at it if I ever brought it. I'm not sure. Are you finding that doctors are wanting to see that, like Barbara said, or are they poo-pooing it? Honestly, we don't broadly survey the medical profession. Like, we're not into the healthcare industry. We're more about enabling consumers. So my personal experience, though, is that you know, my physician is willing to look at stuff on my phone, whether it's like pictures, charts or graphs, things I collect. And okay. they're kind of like, oh, oh, you know, very interesting. Um, so I think it just depends on what somebody's experience is. But we haven't surveyed a broad list of MDs to ask them those things. Um, we're really focusing on the consumer side. So you want to inform the consumers more in a way that goes beyond what WebMD did so that they are more empowered when they go into their doctor. Now, not just... Uh, knowing what to share based on what they learned in a static source, they, they know what to share based on looking at dynamic data over time as well. Yeah, and they also share with their friends. So they're in Facebook groups of people that are working on similar conditions. Um, and so like, oh, look at this chart. Or, hey, I went, you know, now you can go online and order all kinds of medical tests. And you don't need a doctor's prescription to go get them. You can check your own A1C3 and see how you're coming along with your type 2 diabetes. You can check your own cholesterol. You don't have to wait for your doctor to do that. So people are doing those things and then sharing those numbers with friends in these Facebook groups just to see, like, this is kind of what works for me. What has worked for you? Like, here's my numbers. What do your numbers look like? So it's happening, I think, on an informal basis quite frequently as well, too. Well, I know that, so I have a niece who has type 1 diabetes, and I know that the community of parents of children who have type 1 diabetes are super active and there are a bunch of technologists who are in that community. So they have apps, they have, you know, Apple Watches, they have smartphones, um, they have web pages that are used to share information and monitor. And, um, and I think, you know, that community is very advanced in terms of sharing information. I, when I think about it, if you're not somebody who has a sort of a critical or a chronic healthcare condition, how do you, and this maybe gets into a little bit about what Veramos is doing and what Chorus, your your first product, does. Um, consumers are nervous about sharing their data. Um, and it seems like every podcast I ask somebody about, you know, so what about privacy? <laughs> what about data privacy? So tell us a little bit about what you're doing and tell us a little bit about sort of the consumer privacy around their healthcare data and sharing that. Right. So uh, our our first uh, product, as you mentioned, is called Chorus, which is K-O-R-U-S. So our website's at chorus.app, and that's also the name of the app. And um, we're focused on providing people with um, very personalized plans to help meet their health and wellness goals. Mm -hmm. So it's not a one-size-fits-all. There's lots of apps that kind of do one thing. Mm -hmm. We'll help you train for that 10K, or we'll help you with weight loss, um, and... It's this one-size-fits-all approach. Here's what you will do, right? So um, we have uh, consumers that come into the app. They're in this um, experience with a registered dietitian, with a personal trainer, with kind of a coordinator person. So that's really kind of like the wellness team mm -hmm. that's going to take what their goals are, what they're trying to accomplish, and then 
give them nutrition tips. The nutritionists, they know how to create medical nutrition therapies around things that you might need, uh, incorporating movement in your life that fits with what you're doing, right? So if you have maybe a condition that has uh, where you experience joint pain or something like that, right? Well, they're not going to tell you you should go try some CrossFit because that's really a killer on your joints. But um, they might look up for you and find an aquatics program for some low-impact things you might do around movement, right? So uh, we provide very personalized plans for things, um, as well as the people that have that support. So um, studies have shown that the the way that you uh, people can accomplish some sort of goal or reach a goal um, they're six times more likely to accomplish it if they do it with somebody else, right? Other people that help right. hold them accountable. It's like if you were going to train for a 10K, you go find five people that you go running with every morning, right? And then if you don't show up, they're texting you, hey, where are you, right? It's like that's actually what gets you to go do these sorts of things. So so we want to give people a path and tell them, like, here's what you should do, right, if you want to achieve this goal of being healthier, um, and then provide that support as well to, to be there for them. And then have that wrapper around uh, data. So... We don't look at medical data. We look at those things like your steps and how's your sleep doing and what's your resting heart rate right now and um, stuff that we can largely collect from things like Apple Health Kit or Samsung Health and those sorts of technologies, right? So we look at that ambulatory data. We don't really look at the critical care data that your doctor looks at. So um, people kind of have that covered with their doctor, right? We're trying to cover things for which your doctor is not getting paid by your insurance company to help you do like go to the gym, work out, eat better, you know, those sorts of things. That's where the gap is, we think, is um, and where healthcare yeah. stops. Is because if you go to the doctor and your doctor says, you're on the road to diabetes, you need to eat a little bit better and start incorporating more movement in your life, they'll give you a pamphlet and say, good luck, I hope you get better, right? There's there's no system to follow through. I mean, they just don't get paid to do it, right? So we want to pick up where healthcare kind of leaves off. That's up to the consumer to get that done. And so that's where we want to help them to accomplish that. Well, and so you bring up a great point, right? And that that part is not covered. And so the doctor is not really compensated for dealing with that. And yet study after study shows the importance of being more active and eating better. And some of these things are hard to track with your smartphone or watch or whatever, like the quality of the food you just ate, how much oil is in it, for example, or something like that. Is it a healthy oil or an unhealthy oil? But some of it, as you pointed out, it's tracked by your your devices and so if you guys are able to be successful in pulling together analytics and creating a motivational factor for people to improve this quality of life how long do you think it is before the insurance company starts saying huh this stuff is all trackable and our actuarial science can be better by using that data we can make better um benefits plans and make better premium plans for people is that do you see that happening in the next few years, five years, ten years? Yeah, there have been some really well-funded venture-backed companies. The focus largely is helping companies that in, that do their own insurance. So if you're Google or Facebook, you're some big company, um, you typically underwrite your own insurance because it's going to be cheaper. You got twenty thousand employees, you know, you, you underwrite your own insurance, and so uh, so uh, some venture-backed companies are approaching those companies. It's really a B two B play approach those companies and say, hey, let's pick off, you've got 25,000 employees or something, right? Or, I mean, look at the Army here. It has 1.1 million employees, right? Some portion of those have cardiovascular disease, have diabetes. Like, let's pick off those people and let's go help them. Let's go create a plan. Here's so much it costs per month, right? And this is going to save you in the end on your insurance because we're going to get them off those expensive medications uh, over time. 
Uh, and so there's there's a few of those companies have shown some positive ROI in terms of the cost going in and then the cost savings in the back end. The challenge is there from an insurance perspective, when I've talked to a few insurers about this, is uh, their challenge is that people only stick with their insurer for an average of 20 months. And so their perspective is, well, why should I go and invest something that has a long-term payoff when you're only going to be a customer with me for like a year and a half, right? There's going to be no long-term ROI for me. So I'm not going to invest in that. So I, I didn't realize that. I didn't realize that the average time with an insurance company was 20 months. And people change jobs. Yeah. They, re, they reshop insurance all the time. You have to, right, to find the, the best deal. That is, a, that is a, you just pointed out, a fundamental problem that I didn't know existed, which is that if they, part of their their statistics and probability is if we're only going to have you for 20 months on average, then we're going to optimize our plans around that cycle as opposed to a lifetime. Well, and I think... You know, one of the questions, there are a couple questions that, that come up out of that discussion. People are not necessarily on friendly terms with their insurance companies. It's, you know, we'll see if the Affordable Care Act sticks, but, you know, people, especially people with pre-existing conditions, are concerned about, um, you know, being left without health care. Um, insurance companies seem to use a lot of data increasingly to, to prejudice against individual policyholders. So... You know, do we have to be worried about something like this digital healthcare technology, which I know, and we'll get into this in a minute, you guys are using the blockchain as the backbone of, of, of your data. Do we have to be worried about insurance companies using this data to, to make a judgment about who to insure and how to insure? And I think the other question is on the employer side of things. We already know that employers are checking social media, they're checking Facebook, um, you know, they're looking at the activity of potential employees in the social media space as one indicator of whether they'll make a great employee or not. Do you think that employers, knowing that there's, you know, that 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 the health of an employee is tied to the business bottom line, are they going to start using digital health data that's available to them to or requesting people's digital health data in order to make a judgment about who to hire and who not to hire? Yeah, it's an interesting sort of potential future, right? It's like, what does that look like when the data is out there? So from us, since we're a startup and we're constrained by all kinds of resources, right, we, the easiest approach for us is, and the consumer is our paying customer. Mm -hmm. So all the data goes to our consumers and our, our customers who pay for our service. What they do with it from there, we're happy to provide, you know, portability, exports, ways to do whatever they want to with it, but um, it belongs only to them because um, they're paying the bill. So... Um, if they want to choose to share it with their insurance company or their employer or whatever, then it would be up to them. But um, So that's where we are today because, you know, so far we don't have any sort of big company that says, oh, I'll, I'll pay for your product, uh, you know, for all my employees. So when that day comes, then we'll have to come to the cross that bridge, right, and figure mm -hmm. out, all right, so whose data is it anyway? Right? Well, the easy way to answer that one, right, is it's your data. However... We will give you a 10% discount on your plan if you share your data with us so that we can tailor our, our uh, services around it better. And then, and I'm making up numbers, but a lot of people would trade a reduction in a premium or something for sharing the data that then is used, in, especially if there's terms around sharing it, like it gets anonymized when used in a deep learning study to try to find the effects of various uh, multiple factors in, in predicting obesity or heart disease. So I would, I mean, I, people are willing to share their data in some of these apps for no compensation. You would think an insurance company would be able to give at least a little deduction and 
in return for that data. Right. You, if you think about it, uh, you think about your car insurance, you can get a little device you I plug into that, that sensor yeah. in your car yeah. insurance. So if you prove you're a good driver, you can get better uh, car insurance rates. So how long before, you know, if I plug into my, if I'm logging my meals or whatever, if I plug into your health data, I'll give you preferred rates. So, um, so I can in, give my watch to somebody who runs a lot. Right, and yeah. send that Put data. It on the fan and have it go. <laughs> That's right. So, if I remember correctly, when I researched this a little bit, you can do that for your health insurance. They can give you a discount for, you know, hooking up your steps and those sorts of things. Uh, life insurance, I think, is illegal right now. Like they can't discriminate in that way, but that might change. Mm-hmm. But you have to imagine it's coming, right? It's like if you can basically plug, just like your car, plug a device in yourself and provide that data telemetry. Can you give me some better insurance rates? And I've seen. And probably because I search lots of health stuff, I see my Facebook ad feeds sometimes with things like, if you can run an eight-minute mile, we will give you life insurance at preferred rates, right? Guaranteed, right? Mm-hmm. If yeah. you can do 12 uh, pull-ups, right, I will give you health insurance at preferred rates guaranteed, right? If you can, you know, do, uh, you know, 60 push-ups within uh, 22 minutes, I will, you know, because that tells you a lot about someone's physique and ability and strength and, like, whatever, right? Like, it's interesting that maybe one simple indicator could tell you a lot about somebody that is enough for an underwriting risk. So, I don't know. There's lots of interesting things, I think, coming in the future. Yeah, I think I focused a little bit on the insurance side because our healthcare system has that as one of the pillars of it. But but let's get back to the consumer part. You're collecting all this ambulatory data, this data on that is available through Apple's Health Kit and Samsung's corresponding program. How do you make sure that your app is more successful in changing their behaviors and changing their health, right, than all the other hundreds of apps that are out there. How do you achieve that? Yeah, it's definitely a crowded marketplace. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's, you know, uh, health and wellness is one of the like, top five app categories, I think, in all the app stores. Mm-hmm. Um, so the where we think the gap is, is things that are personalized, right? So probably people that look at our app say, oh, this is kind of like, uh, like Noom. Noom's a very popular app um, for weight loss. Um, they have lots of venture money, so they spend lots of ads and lead gen and Facebook and those sorts of things. Um, and then the people we talk to that come from there, their main complaint is it's not personalized for them. So it's kind of a one-size-fits-all. Everybody goes through the same thing, no matter who you are. And people are like snowflakes. Everybody's different. Everybody has slightly different things. They're on different medications. They have different health and wellness goals. So where we think the uh, the, you know, the gap is is in creating something that's personalized for people at a price point that's you know competitive and and uh, and accessible. You know our app is is uh, ninety nine dollars a month. People would say that's wow that's really expensive. You know but you know if you go to a registered dietitian that's got skills in you know your autoimmune condition like those people charge six hundred fifty dollars an hour and there's a six month waiting list to get in their office and see them right. So man how could we democratize it a little bit better how can we you know get access faster so you're suffering for a shorter period of time how can we get information out there to you you know quicker and easier um so that uh there isn't as, uh, as much you know suffering on people waiting for uh, for help and treatment so it's a crowded market but we think the personalization um is uh is a differentiator but it's pricey so it's not made for everybody it's made for people who can afford that personally for me and my family i pay like sixteen hundred dollars a month for health insurance my family um and we never meet the deductibles so the whole year i pay for every doctor appointment every medication every everything so for 1500 a month i get nothing so if i could spend 100 a month and have a person 
I, you know, my uh, dietitian, I can say, hey, I've got a business dinner at such and such restaurant in Dallas. Can you find something that I can eat? Because they know that I'm keto, that I'm trying to lose 15 pounds, that uh, I have a vitamin C or D deficiency, right? You know, and then find something for me. Well, it saves me time, uh, creates some uh, 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 surety for me. I'm like, wow, I now I don't have to go look at that whole menu, do my own research. Like they've just narrowed it down and told me like, oh, for you, here's what you want, right? So this personalization thing is... Um, Really interesting to people, well, certain certain set of people. Let me let me ask you a specific question because separately, you and I have talked about autoimmune conditions and diet, and I've shared with you that I have an autoimmune condition called Hashimoto's, which is relatively it's it's a relatively common autoimmune condition of the thyroid. Um, and I also happen to be a woman in midlife, so there's a whole bunch of hormonal stuff happening beyond the autoimmune. And I have, you know, and I have a hormone doctor, I have a thyroid doctor, I have a allergist and immunologist. So I already have an army of folks who are taking care of me. Um, and, and I'm already plugged into a community and doing research, but caring for a constantly changing, waxing and waiting autoimmune, autoimmune condition is really challenging. So walk me through how this works for somebody like me, because there are a bunch of people like me who are not maybe as informed and don't have the sort of medical care. So how, like, how would this work for me? And how would this work for somebody who is sort of just beginning down this path? Like me. Yeah. Um, so like I talked to, I talked to a woman with similar conditions not too long ago and, uh, she, she jokingly calls her autoimmune condition her part-time job because she spends 20 to 30 hours per week sourcing food that she can eat and preparing food because she really can't eat at restaurants, doesn't know what's in it, how it's prepared, right? So um, so people who uh, they figure out or maybe they get sort of diagnosed, right, uh, maybe as you did, they go through this whole long journey of research, finding these groups, asking them, hey, here's what I have, what worked for you, right? So what we hope to provide for people is to skip. And sometimes that period of time of the research and figuring out and uncertainty and whatever can last for years, right? Mm -hmm. So what we hope to do is help people skip that, right? And get, you know, find the easy button and say, okay. So, you know, we actually call what we do a collective, right? So how do we collectively share information, data, resources, information? Um, we work to help vet things that work for some specific conditions. So when uh, someone comes in and, you know, they're beginning this journey, we can maybe skip all the research, worry, concern, all that time and say like, hey, here's what our members have found that mm. works for Hashimoto's. Here's what they're doing. Now, you got to try it and see if it works for you and do your own thing. But um, we can skip and find you the best, you know, you know, uh, gluten-free flour out there that people are using as a flour substitute to bake with, right? They've tried all the things that are out there. Everybody pretty much agrees, like, this one actually tastes the best, bakes, rises, all those sorts of things, right? So um, so we think we can play a role in a bit of curation of, of things, too. But it's um, for people that have already invested many years in figuring out exactly what their routine is and works for them, um, it may not be as helpful as people who are just starting their journey. But uh, it always helps to have someone, you know, things are changing, too. There's new products coming out all the time that mm -hmm. do different things. Uh, new research coming out all the time. So um, if our folks stay informed about those things, they can help put those into a practice and say, hey, let's incorporate this into your routine, uh, whether it's what you're eating or how you're moving or, or whatever it is too. But our app also with that health kit data, <clears throat> we see it as like telemetry. 
So, you know, when the astronauts go to the moon, the space station, they're always monitoring their heart rate, blood pressure, all these sorts of things, right? So health kit's kind of like that, because if, you, if you're mapping your run, if you're logging your meals, you're sleeping, you know, you have a sleep app or whatever, right? All that telemetry can go to your team and maybe can look for trends or spot, you know, things that are going on. In the future, we think we can apply tools like machine learning and AI to spot patterns and correlations that you're not going to go log everything in a spreadsheet and teach yourself R and like all these things to <laughs> find these things, right? So this is what computers do really well, right? So how can we take all this data in? We don't have enough data yet. We don't to be able to do those things. But once we get a bunch of data in, imagine if we could start benchmarking people and saying like, you come in the experience. We say, wow, based on who you are, your age, your gender, what you have, like people that look like you, here's what they did that helped them. That would be a great roadmap, right? It's like, okay, well, I'm also start with that because, you know, 25,000 people who, you know, look like me ended up here when they did this. Cool. At least you know what to do. And that's part of the thing is like, what do I do next, right? And mm-hmm. so when we talk to people, interview people, they have two basic questions like, how am I doing? And like, what do I do next? Right? So if we can help with those things, that would be great. So let me ask you a question from my perspective as someone who would just be starting out using an app like this and don't know if I have any serious health conditions. I have the usual things that somebody my age would want to, I'd like to lose a few pounds. I'd like to make sure my heart is strong. I'd like to prevent, you know, uh, reduce risk of, of stroke and heart disease and things like that. If I just downloaded your app right now, what would my experience be and how would I interact with this in a way to begin improving my health in a way that is beyond the, all the free apps I can download. What would I? How would you recommend I get started with the app? Yeah, sure. In, in our app, um, we ask a lot of questions up front. Not a lot, but you know, there's a bit of onboarding to ask ask people like, what are their current dietary preferences? You know, everybody's trying to be keto these days, or some people are vegetarian, right? So what are you what are you eating? And then we ask like, well, what are you allergic to? What do you know at least today that you can't have or shouldn't eat, right? Um, we ask people about any health conditions or concerns they have going on, so we keep those in mind. Um, hook up to their health kits, so we get data, and then right away they're in based on experience with their support team to help them out. So, oh, we ask people too about what their goals are. So, and what are you trying to accomplish? So, we want to know, like, what are you trying to do so we know how to get you there. So, and people have different goals. Some people might just want to lose 15 pounds. Some people, they go to the doctor to get their cholesterol. It's like, ooh, it's getting kind of like up there. Like, all right, doctor says I should change some things. What, what should I do? Um, you know, we believe in a, a bit of a database approach, right? So if your goal is reducing cholesterol, cool. Where are you today? All right, I'm at 235. All right, let's go do some things and put some things in place. In like 60 days, let's go take it again and see other things we're doing, you know, helping or not. So um, right away, you'd have people who are trained professionals in movement and nutrition to help take where you're trying to get and to give you specific things to get you there, whether it's recipes or um, uh, movement things you can do or, or anything else. So and make it work for you. So rather than just like, here's a general plan that works for everybody, like try to tune it because people are Everybody's, everybody's different. Got it. Um, so while the app is a consumer, is a, a for-pay consumer sort of personal health productivity and optimization tool, um, a lot of uh, what it's based on is a fairly robust catalog and growing catalog of data about healthcare. Um, and I assume you've chosen blockchain because of, of, of privacy and, and control and all of those other good things. Um, sort of given that, so 
course, is the first iteration of what you're doing at Veramos. Let's talk about healthcare data and sort of public health and and how this can benefit um, those folks in the community who aren't going to be your 99 buck a month subscribers. Because, you know, if I think about it, like data about healthcare and understanding how to, you know, and how, how to make population safe from a healthcare standpoint. Um, like where, where do you see this healthcare data going? Where do you see what you guys are doing going in terms of, of, of impacting public health and some of the crises we have right now? Yeah. When we looked at the broad spectrum of, of health related data, um, the majority of it comes because of Medicare and Medicaid billing systems and coding, right? So, um, there's a wealth of data in what the industry would call critical care. I'm sick, I'm in the hospital, I'm under treatment, and I'm, they're trying to get you out. They're trying to get you out of the hospital back to kind of neutral again, right? And so if you were to like have a heart attack and be in the hospital and you're intubated and you had some sort of medication, like you could look at the data and they could give you the odds of you getting out within the next three days or the odds of you dying completely, right? So tons of data around that to analyze. If you look at ambulatory data, my steps in my sleep and meditation time and what I'm eating, whatever, we looked, there's just, there's no data sets in the world around that. The biggest data set probably is like Fitbit. Fitbit gets heart rate data and like step data, right? But there's so much more than just that. So, you know, from a broad perspective, we said, wow, like sort of our, our big picture thinking changed the world, right? Um, wow, what if we could create the largest set of ambulatory data in the world that people could study and look at and research and find correlations to. Something that, you know, maybe we don't even have the tools or resources or manpower to do, but somebody else might, right? And so, you know, distributed ledgers were one way that we looked at it and said, hey, this is a way that we could publish all this data to the world, yet still have it be private to mm-hmm. the people that own it, right? So um, I had this thing for a while, which was rather than donate your body to science when you die, why not donate your data to science while you're living? Right. So um, so we thought distributed ledgers were a great way to do that potentially. And, you know, we're not there yet just because the technology is still very expensive um, and difficult. But um, but that's one of our goals is to, you know, with with those types of technologies, we could in essence give someone the keys, right, the digital cryptographic keys to their own data. Mm -hmm. So they would know of all this big pool of data, which is theirs. But only they would know, right? And obviously, they can give those keys to somebody else to see certain sets of data. But the data would still be in a pool. Like with something like a money system like Bitcoin, you can go look at every Bitcoin transaction in the history of man, right? And it's all out there for everybody to see. But you don't know who that address is, right, right to do this like trade. So same type of thing, right? So it could be like a public good where it could be out there to research and, um, and compare and contrast and maybe correlate with the critical care data on the flip side, you know, who knows? So we're a bit away from doing it, but that's like a real high minded goal of ours. It sounds fascinating. Yeah. The opportunity to study analytics across many different variables, many different kinds of data for a large enough population. Certainly what you mentioned, AI and machine learning methods, they're likely to reveal some patterns and some things that no individual care practitioner is going to recognize. But a AI algorithm crunching on enough data might actually recognize some correlations. That's 
So you've got blockchain in here. You've got AI in here. You've got IoT in here with the devices. All the good buzzwords. Are, are there right? any buzzwords that you're missing yet? When, when is quantum computing going to make it? So I'm sure we'll figure out something with quantum. <laughs> well, this has been really fascinating. Barbara, do you have any, any final questions? You know, I actually don't. <laughs> yeah, I, I look forward to uh, trying this out. I'm, uh, I'm at that age now where I'm super conscious about how long I want to live for a long time. Actually, I want to live forever, right? So my goals for your app are live forever and be Thor. But I don't know if it can help me do those, but hopefully it can help me. Well, Thor has the dead bod, so I think that's you know, <laughs> yeah, great I meant, for all of us. Yeah, I meant Thor before Endgame, but you're right, yeah. <laughs> so thank you for being with us today. We look forward to seeing how your company does and how your app does. It's fascinating. Great. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for listening to the Austin Forum Upload. You can listen to additional episodes and check out a schedule of our monthly in-person events at austinforum.org. The Upload is a production of the Austin Forum on Technology and Society, a nonprofit organization here in Austin, Texas.